Creating, Living, and Making Projects podcast. I'm your host, Adam Mackey, and joining me as always is Grant Alexander and Molly Kurt. G'day, boys. How's it been for the last week? Good, good. Great. Thanks. Good, good. Cool. Well, I've had a very interesting last couple of days. I've been designing a, um, an arcade machine for my mate who doesn't listen to the podcast, otherwise I wouldn't talk about it. And I have set myself a challenge where everything has to be done on the CNC. Um, it's actually been a full crazy ride. And I want to talk about what we think about challenges, like challenges with restrictions. So all those challenges that get put out there by all the other podcasts, we're not doing it. Just so you know, don't, this isn't when we're not going to be naming our challenge, but all those challenges out there, you know, like one sheet of plywood or two tools only, all that sort of stuff. I want to know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I've actually put out a project this week, which was basically that. So in making this 3D printed camera jig, like this was a design made by like Ben Paik of Wobby Design, which was originally, you know, designed to be made out of plywood. And I saw it and was like, I want to just see if I can 3D print that whole thing. And I probably ended up with a worse product than if I made it out of plywood. Cause you know, as Grant was talking about in the pre-show with a 3d printed clamp, it's less rigid. Um, but I learned a lot doing it and it was like a really fun project. And I think that's one of the, like the really cool things that can come out when you put those restrictions on yourself is that, you know, you do something that may not be the most logical, the most optimized, but you end up with something very interesting. And, you know, if that's, if that's in a video, if it's like, you know, I'm only going to use this one tool, well, then maybe you learn a new use for that tool. If it was in my case, like for making this camera jig, I learned about like, if you're actually putting 3d printed threads under a considerable amount of stress, well, like, what does that mean for the part? And like, where might that actually fail in ways that you don't expect? Um, so yeah, it's, I think it, it kind of like depends what you're, what you're trying to do, but it's, it's definitely a fodder for some interesting projects. Yeah. And when you're talking about 3d printed things and learning a lot, that's this clamp that I'm trying to design is, you know, I, I looked up online and I talked to you about different infill patterns and everyone's like, Oh, gyroid is the, the way to go because you use less material for about the same strength and it's a little you know, lighter or whatever. So I was like, oh, switch everything to gyroid. Well, gyroid, the the particular pattern is not strong in a twisting motion. And it literally, I put five hours of printing and five seconds trying to thread it in. And the thing just disintegrated in my hand and twisted to pieces. Whereas the other one I had that I had printed in cubic, uh, just like it was difficult to break. I eventually broke it, but it was difficult to break. And so I learned a lot about you know, what, what, what about it makes it strong and why, um, mm-hmm. and it's strong in a lot of different like compression and pushing motions, but it's not strong in twist, but I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, with, with this, um, with this build that I'm doing at the moment is very, I think one of the biggest challenges I have is at first I was like, okay, well I'll make, I'll cut all the pieces out of, out of the CNC and then oh yeah, I'll just have to use like the nail gun or whatever to put things together. But then it's not one tool and I wanted to make the challenge one tool, which is the CNC. So even things like a pocket for a cable to run, I have to remember to put that into the model so that it gets cut out on the CNC. 
And so you don't like, use a drill. So I don't use a drill. And like, so like, cause it's an arcade machine. So the, the buttons where the buttons go, usually you just use a force in the bit and draw the holes for the buttons. But no, I needed to actually put that into the model. So it gets cut out with the CNC and it's just, it's such a big adjustment of the things you need to think about. You have to go so in depth with the design process. And I feel like it added a lot of um, like hype to myself for the, for the projects. Like before, like it, it's a cool project, but it was a little bit boring. Whereas now I feel like adding this challenge has really made me want to get it done and get it. And I'm excited to see how it goes together. Mm-hmm. I also think it's one of the reasons where, why, uh, you know, traditional craftsmen, blue collar workers, sorry, Abby's barking under my table. Um, get really annoyed at YouTube makers. Cause it's like, that's such an inefficient way of doing something. Like let's make this entire project on a CNC and never use yeah. a drill. And you know, it's like, if you make one mistake in the model, then you're screwed, but it, you're right. It is, it is fun. It, like it definitely does add excitement to it. It's also like an exciting prospect that you can have this like entirely turnkey solution that like, you almost just take it off the assembly line and it's ready to go. And you'll probably figure out some ways of like finishing, you know, you probably wouldn't normally finish a piece with a CNC. Maybe you might cut it out and do a bit of the more rough work, but now you're yeah, exactly. with that restriction, you know, you'll probably discover some new techniques. Yeah. Well, I mean, like even the inside of the TARDIS, I'm building a wooden frame out of um, 18 millimeter by 18 millimeter wide, like square MDF stock. I could just go over to the table saw and cut that and then cut the half laps. But instead I've actually put it into the model and then the CNC is going to cut it out, cut the half laps and everything. So, yeah. I think, yeah. I think it also kind of relates to what I was talking about last week with like having a clear vision for the project. And it's funny, like I think if I were you, I wouldn't worry so much about making it entirely with the CNC. And in fact, like I don't, I don't know why, you know, you decided to do that because I think like a TARDIS shaped arcade cabinet is interesting enough in and of itself. So what I made it, you want to do that? I think I just wanted to challenge myself at first. I mean, as I said, at first my plan was to just cut out all the sides and everything and then build it as I normally would. But then as designing and everything went on, it just really became interesting to me to see what the CNC could do and how much I could get away with, with just the CNC. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's so many things that I could, that would be so much easier to do not on the CNC, but that takes away the challenge. And I don't know. I just feel exciting to try and have to work this sort of stuff out. Were there, are there specific things you've discovered like are very not optimized to do on the cnc well i mean pretty much like the frame i said like to get the cnc to cut out these rectangle square pieces compared to just running it through the table saw at the right width i mean there's the table saw i could probably have the whole frame built in a couple of minutes or cut in a couple of minutes whereas the cnc i've already spent longer than it would take to cut it in modeling it right Yeah. And that's what I felt with like the struts on the Wobby jig is like, it's probably like one of the worst things to 3d print because it's really just mass with, it's a rod with, you know, two holes at either end. And if I was trying to make this project efficiently, I maybe would have 3d printed all the base plates in the more like geometric parts and then just made the other ones out of wood. But from the beginning for me, I was like, I want to try to make this entirely 3d printed. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I think back to like my Prusa, which has 3D printed parts. And that I feel like is the perfect example of like optimizing, you know, 3D printing as an advantage in making stuff. Like you have these small parts that are very specific and that if they break, they can be replicated. It's basically an assemblage of like steel rods and steel frames and then these small 3D printed connectors where you insert metal hardware. And that's like, you know, in, in interacting with some comments, I, I really agree, like where 3D printing really shines, not necessarily yeah, right. in being like these big mass strength elements. I, I 100% agree, but it's also like there's there can be better ways to do things and it that doesn't change whether or not it, you would get the same out of it yeah right if you had just made some plywood pieces i don't think you'd get the same amount of enjoyment out of knowing you did it like i'm yeah. sure if you're going to make a second one you'd probably make it with plywood yeah for right? sure but 100% you wouldn't you wouldn't have learned that all of that without doing it the first time. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it's something that comes with doing a project that has those sorts of restrictions. It's like the building and making process is so much more enjoyable than the final product because you started with these restrictions. Your product isn't going to be as good as it could have been already. Right. Like in, unless you had an epiphany along the way or like really discovered something groundbreaking, but like in the case of this project, all I really did was like, convert an existing design into one that could be 3d printed so in the moment it was super fulfilling and super fun but at the end of it it's like i have this camera jig which is really cool and unique but like functionally is probably not quite as good as one that were made out of plywood or an, like a solid material yeah so as when you were saying you know it may not be as good as the other way I think I think a lot of times about restrictions, I think about them a little bit differently. And like a lot of times people will give them the hand tool only restriction. Mm -hmm. So I think either way, you can get up, you can have the same uh, quality product in the end. It's whether or not it's as a, the most efficient way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So when I think about that, I think, you know, have you ever challenged yourself to using trying to not use the 3d printer, even though you think it might've been the right way. Cause I hear a lot of these bigger YouTubers go, I, I could just pop that out of the CNC, but I think to, I never try. Like I know Bob from, I like to make this says a lot. I try and not use my CNC because nobody, not everyone has a CNC in their thing. So do you guys ever take that into consideration when you're designing your projects? Hmm. No, really. I mean, I feel like I've gone the opposite. I mean, I don't really care what tools people have. I just want to do it the way I want to. But I mean, I've said right. it before. Like, I, I would more than happily have everything cut on the CNC and then pull it apart and assemble. I feel like I get a lot more fulfillment out of the design process um, than I do than the actual woodworking process. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, I love woodworking, but I feel like the assembly is where. It, I enjoy it. I don't really like cutting and sanding and, and all that sort of stuff. Whereas the CNC can do all that for me. Right. Um, I mean, in, in a way I'm kind of seeing that it really would be possible to have a CNC only shop. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe a couple of drills or something to screw things or all that sort of stuff. But I don't need like essentially saws and, and all that. It's a lot more efficient to have those tools. But theoretically, I could run an entire shop with just a CNC and a couple of drills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I feel it's my voice to try to be like to try to limit the tool set that I'm using. Number one, because I'm already operating from a pretty limited tool set. Like I, I, right. I believe that like a 3D printer is already a very accessible tool, especially if like my audience is people under 40, let's say, because a lot of them have access to a 3D printer or, or have one or, you know, especially if we're talking like people around my age, like for a lot of those people, a 3D printer might be the one tool they have. Um, so yeah, I don't really feel like it's my place to to really limit the tools that I make a project with. And I, I don't, I, I think it happens a lot of the time. Like I have videos that have basic tools in the title because I'm literally building a project that most people build with more tools. So I think it, right. it, it sort of comes naturally when it does come up. I think another thing I didn't really think about until I got to the part where I had to lay everything out is that I essentially now have a file that I can sell online and anyone with a CNC can just load it up, cut all the pieces and assemble it. They don't need to work out all the little nits and pieces of like, Oh, I need to mark out and drill here and I need to drill here and and all that sort of stuff. And I think that goes the same when with like, say the 3d printing is you want to, if you want to sell an STL file for 3d printing, you want that to be something where someone can just print it and be done. They don't have to add pieces or drill here and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But so this is where I think it comes back to Morley's thought about earlier when he mentioned it, it may not be the best way. Why well, I, I agree. The easiest way is this is the way, you know, do it like this. Boom, bam, bam. You 3D print and it's perfect. But I think adding in stuff like not using, if you wanted the strongest possible uh, threads, then you would put metal in there. Yeah. You would have, right? If you want the strongest possible, you put metal in. It's stronger than plastic. But like Morley showed in his jig, you could do threaded uh, threaded plastic, uh, 3D mm-hmm. printed threads, and they work. Depending on the strength capacity you need, they work great. Actually, yeah, I would right? push back up on that and say, in for something like this, I think 3D printed threads might be better than metal threads because these screws only need to be screwed in once and it's such a tight fit that the friction holding it in is almost advantageous to doing it with like a metal thread and needing to use thread locker or something because like what happened in the video when i over tightened it and ended up failing around the threads so unless it's a part that needs to be constantly screwed and unscrewed I feel like 3D printed threads are actually kind of like one of the highlights of this project. No, I, I didn't mean it in this project. I meant more if you wanted multiple maximum strength, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't use plastic threads. Right. Not, not you shouldn't have used. I'm saying if, if your project intent is maximum strength, yeah, plastic threads aren't it. Everyone has, yeah. has threaded something that's plastic that has just completely disintegrated and you go, why yeah, and especially if you cross thread it and then, you know, there's no room for error, right? Because it's not very durable. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's, you know, I think a lot of the negative comments I've gotten on stuff I've made in the past has been 
like, oh, that doesn't seem strong or that's going to fall apart, which like I talked about last week with the geodesic dome, it did end up falling apart. But I also <laughs> think that because I studied engineering, there's all this like emphasis put on efficient design where it's like understand the material properties of whatever you're working with and design around that so that you're not like wasting extra material. You know, like there's this great saying, which is like anyone, oh, I'm going to mess this up, but it, it goes something like, Anyone can build a bridge, but only an engineer can build a bridge that barely stands up. And so I think that's a lot of like the design lineage that I come from. And a lot of traditional craftsmen are like, no, I'm just going to overbuild it so that, you know, it'll never fall down, which, you know, I think is a great way of building, especially if you're doing it for someone else and you don't know how they're going to use it. And that's, you know, one way to achieve durability. But a lot of times when I make something for myself, I'm like, how do I, you know, build this efficiently? And someone on the internet might see that as, oh, that thing's going to break. Right. Yeah. Well, and they also, they, t- it's like when people go, well, if you take that in and out a hundred times, it's going to break. And it's like, look, when you're talking about, I, I remember getting a, a new shower uh, head and it came with plastic threads and the old one was metal. Uh, and my first thought was, well, this is garbage. Plastic's going to be annoying if you have to thread it a bunch of times. And then I thought about it more and I went, I'm threading it on. How many times you taken off like your how, head? Yeah. Right. <laughs> how many times have you taken off your, your shower head? Probably never. Right. Not until you hmm. get a new shower head. Right. Exactly. So it wasn't a big deal, but it's that thing that my first reaction was, this isn't the best material. And yeah. in reality, it didn't, it, it, that didn't matter. Yeah. It's like when people complain about plywood they go, oh, plywood, that's garbage, Blah. right? And in 99% of the cases, plywood is better than solid wood when it comes to strength and durability and yeah. wood movement yeah, and all exactly. that stuff. What is not good is being uh, scratch resistant, being refinishable, being, you know, the the edges on it aren't as nice. Because That's your opinion. You know, if you... If, no, if you ding an edge, it's not going to be as nice is what I mean. Mm. Yeah. Like they're, they're not going to be – it's not going to be as durable, lasting on, on looking good. Like you won't be able to refinish something plywood as well as you could refinish right. something that's solid wood. But yeah. if you're making something that's your coffee table that's going to last 10 years and then you're going to maybe repurpose it into something else or a desk that you're not sure whether or not it's going to be great in 10 years' time, get rid of it. If you're making an heirloom piece, maybe plywood isn't the way. But there's a reason why cabinetry and stuff is built out of plywood and MDF. There's mm-hmm. no need for it to be. It's not just that it's cheap, but like imagine imagine building a full kitchen cabinet, like all the drawers and everything, out of a hardwood. You then have it to would get very warped over wood time. Movement exactly. There's a reason why they use plywood. I mean, my so this arcade is going to be completely made out of MDF, and people are going to yeah, bitch about horrible. it. I know that, but the thing is, MDF I, is actually MDF a really sucks. good. No, MDF is actually a really good product. It's just not waterproof and water resistant and all that sort of stuff. If you like for something like this, it's actually a really good product, especially because it's going to be completely sealed. But it's going to be completely sealed, so the elements aren't going to get to it. They're not going to make it warp and all that sort of stuff. Like, but if you left it raw wood, it's going to get all humidity and stuff, and it will fall apart. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing. I will never ever use a piece of MDF 
to make anything because as soon as I touch it, it just says, Oh, see you later. I'm out. (laughs) Um, But what was that? But I said, I'm going to hold you. Grant's Grant's ready to go to war. Yeah. Uh, this hill. Grant's yeah, already disliking I, my video. No, it's, it, you can build it out of whatever you want. I don't, I just, whenever I see someone make something out of MDF, all I think about is the time that, like, I, I'm going to bang my toe on it and it's going to disintegrate. It has nothing to do with the, with the water. It has nothing to do with the thing. I just know MDF, just like you touch it the wrong way and it, and it gets a big giant nick in it that you can't fix easily. Yeah. You have crap MDF then. Okay. No, that's MDF. I agree. <laughs> yeah. It, it, there are things about MDF that are good, and I don't know what they are. But I'm sure I guess just to, just to give a quick – yeah, give, give a quick example on that front. We used it a lot at the scenery shop for building scenery because it's easy to paint. And if it's something that's mm-hmm. not going to get knocked around, then it doesn't really matter too much. But you're right. Exactly. If it's going to get kicked, yeah. The, the, the main reason why I'm using MDF, one, because it's cheap – but also for for the purpose I need, it's going to be painted. It's easy to paint and it's smooth. I don't want wood grain and everything. I want a smooth surface, which I know I can yeah. take that out with the CNC, but even plywood, it's going to have grain. Yeah. I don't want that. Uh, that. That is the only good thing about MDF. And we'll end it there and we'll move on to talking about other challenges. <laughs> Not us challenging each other to a duel about MDF. <laughs> Well, so let's take it, let's take it back to the topic a little bit. What well, I want to know, like, what are your actual thoughts on like a one, say a one, let's say, no, let's go hand tool only challenge. What are your thoughts on people putting those challenges out there? Do you think they're good or do you think it's silly? Well, okay, I'll, I'll start off with saying people could do whatever they want. Um, I think it's good to actually have some restrictions because it makes you think differently, makes you yeah. try and come up with like having a restriction on on what you can or cannot use makes you think about different ways of building something like all of a sudden if i don't if i can't use a drill i'm all of a sudden going well i'm not gonna put screws in this let me come up with different ways there's gonna be a whole bunch of forstner bit uh extraction happening go get the handheld egg beater yeah yeah, we do, I mean, we do a lot of design challenges at the Steam Project, which I feel like are a classic, you know, example of how these sorts of things are really beneficial. Like it makes you think outside of the box. I think one of my favorite things I've done at the Steam Project is for our instructor training, I organized a Rube Goldberg machine building challenge. And basically like each team got a table. They got a bin full of random materials, like a mousetrap, a ping pong ball, string, cardboard tubes, marbles duct tape, masking tape, and they had access to like every tool in the makerspace. They could use the tools in their Rube Goldberg machine, but they couldn't modify them in any way. So like you could clamp stuff to the table, but you couldn't like cut a clamp in half to be part of your Rube Goldberg machine. And they all had a common goal. So like pop a balloon, I think was what we did. And it was amazing. Like, I think it was some of the best innovation, like I've ever seen in person. It, they had like two hours oh, yeah. to do it. And I was actually, cause I'm, I'm making a video for them right now about like the whole teaching philosophy at the steam project and the benefits of um, our programs for kids and going through some of the footage of that challenge when we had a videographer there is so cool. Um, 
I think, I think there's a lot of benefits to it. Like Grant said, like <laughs> people can put out whatever they want. Well, I guess my, my first question in terms of a hand tool building challenge is what is a hand tool? Like, are you talking non-electric tools or is a hand drill a hand tool? Yeah. I'll say non-electric for the, for that, well, then- for that in all intents and purposes, I'd say non-electric. I think, I think that would honestly like bump a lot of people out from being able to participate. Cause honestly, I don't know anyone who builds stuff with, you know, entirely manual 19th century style tools. Well, I, I definitely, I definitely know people and I know people could. Yeah. And the whole point is to challenge yourself to do it. Like you definitely could Morley. You have the tools, you have a handsaw. True. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It, it would be right. interesting. It's just, you don't, you don't want to. Why would you when you have, it's like, oh, I, you I know, I would want to, I wouldn't have. Yeah. I would be down to do it if it were like, um, bushcraft style stuff, like building a log cabin or something, you know, yeah, or right. if I had some like nice hardwood. Um, yeah, actually I think that would be pretty cool. It sounds, sounds like a fun have, challenge. Have you never seen wood by right on YouTube? His entire Bro, I don't channel is hand tool. Well, his entire channel is hand tool only. That's sweet. And, uh, I I have this running joke that behind the camera is a full electric workshop, and that he does like a little bit on camera with the hand tool, and then goes off camera and cuts everything. But okay, so I actually, I think this this would be a cool challenge. You ready? Hand tool only for non hand tool woodworkers. So like, if you barely ever tools. No, no, no. You don't. You can use any tool as long as it's no electricity. So no electricity woodworking for non-hand tool for power tool woodworkers. So like for me, like I'm not going to go out and buy new tools, but I'm going to use my machete. I'm going to use my handsaw. I'm going to use knives. Like you could carve something, or you could like try to make a. T- you could hammer and nail stuff together. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I don't actually like hand tool only as a challenge. I like. I like the idea of challenging like certain tools and stuff, but hand tool only, I feel like you're not really adding a challenge. You're more just making you have to, people have to do more work. If that makes sense. Like instead of using a hand drill to drill a hole, they have to go get a hand, like a non-electric hand drill to drill a hole. I like the idea of maybe hand tool only if they're like electric hand tools only so like no table saws only circular saws that sort of stuff but making people just no, have to do finish. more work with a hand saw i feel like this why? here the, the, whole, let me just, the whole point let me, yeah let me clarify my vision a little bit, right so because it's for non-hand tool woodworkers right you're not allowed to buy new tools so you have to use just like the random stuff you like i'm talking just primitive technology i'm not talking about like hand like hand tool fine woodworking like you have to build a table or what you know a chair or a cabin or whatever with just like your kind of like semi-modern tools that aren't optimized for woodworking and i think that's where a lot of the creativity would come out like how are you going to chop this board in half with like a kitchen knife and <laughs> you know it's like apocalyptic woodworking there we go oh, apocalyptic like hand- apoc- yeah. yeah apocalyptic woodworking there we go 2022 challenge on the clamp podcast. Yeah, yeah no, we're not going to offer that challenge <laughs> no. up, well, but I do like, I'm it. Keep um, yeah. If you want to, if you want to be challenged by us, let us know. Contact I think people will be hella into that. I saw, I, I, saw I think apocalyptic little... sounds awesome, but 
Yeah. I saw your little head raise, Grant, when I said like no table saw, but you can use a circular saw. The thing is, though, you have to think outside the box of how you're going to cut things. You can't set up a fence and keep cutting. Why not? A, a big, like if you're going to cut, I don't know, half a meter by half a meter square. Yeah. Setting up a, fe- setting up a fence on a table saw is pretty simple. You just set it up and keep cutting. Whereas a circular saw, you have to think, all right, well, I'm going to have to move that every time. And then if I move the, if I have to move the fence this time, oh wait, there's going to be nowhere to clamp to there. And so I don't have to clamp. So I, I just take my circular saw, turn it upside down, screw it into a board. Boom. But that's, but that's the challenge that you've, that's what you've done to rectify. I've just turned other people might not think of that. Ooh. Okay. So this, this idea is clarifying a little in my head. I think that that style, like taking a circular saw and screwing it to a board does fall under the purview of apocalyptic woodworking, even though you're using electricity. Cause it's like, it's janky, it's ghetto. It's like not how it was designed to do. So this would be like a style competition of like an apocalyptic, like you still have to do it in a, in a janky sort of like unconventional way. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to be judged on style. Thinking about janky, unconventional ways. I, it, when you were talking about what you guys do at the Steam Project, I was thinking about this team building that we did um, at my work. We all had, uh, I can't remember, marbles or something. And we had to use a, like, a, we had to design something to shoot the, the marble. Um, and we had, like, elastics and popsicle sticks and tape and all that stuff. And, like, a lot of people made, like, slingshots and, you know, catapult systems or whatever. Um and there was no like, there's nothing you that said you couldn't just throw it. So one person yeah. just took the marble and just made like a baseball out of and just threw it and just obliterated everyone. I just went like, so he just wrapped a tape around it until it was big enough to throw, and he just threw it and threw it way further than everyone else could, because <laughs> nice. everyone else was using like this small thing that like couldn't didn't have enough mass to get very far. Yeah. Um, and I just went like, that's the kind of outside the box thinking that's interesting, yeah. but at the same time, like, I don't know. And no yeah. one liked him. That's all I can say. About that. <laughs> I, I so there's really a- like the idea. Sorry, I really like the idea of no tabletop tools. So like, no. Jesus Christ. Grant really doesn't want to put on a challenge, and Adam and I are just no, like, no, yeah, so this challenge we're going to put on, right? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking about putting on a challenge. I'm just saying that with like the whole hand saw thing, I like the idea of there being no tabletop, so no table saw, no yeah. thickness saw. Just no. watch any of Morley's videos. Okay, let's go. Move to the next. One. I'm already living in the apocalypse, baby. So yeah. there's this really famous design challenge. Uh, it's building a tower as tall as you can with 20 pieces of spaghetti. Uh, I think two marshmallows and masking tape. And actually the true challenge is how high can you elevate the marshmallow off of the tabletop? And you have 20 minutes to do it. There's a Ted talk about it. Um, it's, it's very, very popular as like a team building exercise. And we've done it at the steam project a few times. And it's always very interesting to observe how people do it. And in the Ted talk, the guy who invented the challenge talks about how the people who tend to build it the tallest are kindergartners because they don't spend time politicking and negotiating and trying to figure out whose idea is the best and who we're going to end up going with. They just prototype and prototype and prototype and keep iterating and fail fast. And that's kind of, you know, the lesson of 
the design challenge is when you fail fast in this sort of technique, that's when you get the best results. But when you have a bunch of MBA students who are all trying to become the CEO of spaghetti towers, that's when you get the worst challenge, the <laughs> the lowest towers. <laughs> yeah. do, do you guys but know what minties that, are? That would be a really good thing. Sorry, that would be a really good thing to bring up next week in next week's conversation. Ooh, it would be. You're right. It would be, yeah. yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> do you guys Go know what it. minties are? No. 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 Okay, so so minties are a, a lolly here in Australia, but it's not really it's not a lolly you'd give to kids. But it's like mint, like like minty flavored. Anyway, they come in this wrapper and they're like sort of like a Jolly Rancher, how like it, you untwist each end and then it would just like unfold. And we have this challenge in like probably like year one to year two, maybe a bit older than that, where you try to rip the wrapper because it's paper. You try to rip the paper to be the longest strand that you can, but you can't, hmm. ri- you can't have any tears in it. So you have to like tear like really thin down the side and then like snake around to make a U-turn. Like, right yeah. Thing. Yeah. Like just keep going and going, and going and like who can make the longest one without it ripping like in the middle. And that was a huge challenge when I was a kid. Like it taught me so much about like, cause you can't use scissors. You have to do it by hand. So like you're trying to rip like the tiniest little piece and then not break the strand. And yeah, hmm. what you were talking about, Molly just really reminded me of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, did you guys ever do the, uh, gum wrapper, uh, the gum wrapper chains where like you take a gum wrapper and you do a little origami with it and then you can make these chain links that are infinitely long as long as you keep adding gum wrappers on i got i was really into a lot of things like that i feel like as an 11 12 year old you know just like tedious (laughs) long tasks that didn't really have any sort of payoff yeah life (laughs) yeah (laughs) learning about life from a young age (laughs) yeah um well we did have something else we wanted to talk about um yeah yeah it's only but i think we're doing good we can save no. it. Yeah. All right, let's save it. Well, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, anyone who supports us on Patreon gets access to the pre-show and after-show. Also, want to thank our F-Clamp level supporters, Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking and Vincent Ferrari from Because We Make. Uh, because We Make had some sad news last week. One of their co-hosts decided to leave, um, which was sad, but they got a new co-host. And she's really good from what I've heard. I haven't listened to the episode yet. But um, anyone who supports us gets, yeah, pre-show, after-show, gets a keychain made by our one and only Morley Kurt. And you can support us at patreon.com forward slash clamp. Clampmandations! All right. So Eden and I just started watching the third season of Snowpiercer, which is absolutely fantastic. I think it's their best one yet. Um... I feel like Snowpiercer is pretty heavy and you know, there were some, there were some like acting questions. I feel like in the, in the first couple of seasons, some like kind of over dramatizations, <laughs> but I feel like they've really hit their stride in this third season. It's just like really great side stories. It kind of reminds me of lost and all of the intertwining stories that are going on at the same time. Um, they're doing the boys, uh wow we haven't talked about that show in a while they're doing the boys strategy where they're now releasing like one episode a week 
Oh, um, so we just we just got up to that stage. We have to wait till next week to watch the next one. Um, but yeah, it's such a good show. I'm like, I'm very very impressed by it. They were they're doing some apocalyptic woodworking on Snowpiercer. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so this is why one of the reasons why when the new season's coming out, I like to rewatch the first seasons. So I'll rewatch seasons one and two. Hopefully by the time I finish those, the whole third season will be out. I can't stand. Yeah, there you week. go. Yeah. yeah. So so speaking of, you, you can't tell me anything. is the boys is the next season of the boys coming out soon? Do you guys know? I've no idea. No idea. All right. Grant's muted, but he said no. Well, Adam, what do you got? Watch Snowpiercer. Well, my, what do you got? <laughs> well, my recommendation for this week is going to be a video by Tamar at Three by Three Custom. She made a portable and affordable workbench for small spaces. Um, this thing's like covered in dog holes, but it's really versatile and, and really good. She did, did a great job with it. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed her video. It was good. We should try and get her on the podcast too. Yeah, we should. Mm, the second two? time or third time she's been uh, clampmandated. Yeah. That's a weird way of saying recommended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to recommend something a little out of the ordinary for me, but it's probably something other people have probably already seen if they wanted to. Uh, but if you haven't yet, you should check out Arcane, the League of Legends based. Uh, show on netflix i don't know what league of legends is i've never played that game i have no clue how it relates to it i'm watching this going i don't understand how this is a game uh so i don't think you need to play the game to understand uh the really good story it's uh really cool it's got a lot of that like like sci-fi technical like scientific gizmosity like design stuff with like gears and stuff all running all these mm. different things. And I think that's like, like kind of like cool. steampunk or cyber cup or cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. I would say more steampunk or one of the other punks. Diesel. There's like nine yeah. punks. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those, but it's way. And then they also have magic. So it's that combination cool. of the two. Um, I love those. Like, I guess steampunk is the way it, it is, but all those like super gear driven for no good reason. Uh, you know, type. That's why I like older tools because they seem to like highlight their the moving parts instead of like covering everything up. Like when you pop the hood on a new car, you see nothing. When you pop the hood on an old car, you see everything moving, and it's awesome. Anyways, go check it out, Arcane. Cool, hmm. cool. I tried. I played League of Legends for like a week with my friend who was really into it. It was one of those games where like everyone is really good, so it was very not fun to play, having yeah. never played a game like it before. What is the game? What do you play? It's like what, a, is it a first person shooter? Or? No, it's like a third person. It's like a third person shooter, kind of. That's also like, like a role Zelda, playing game, like Zelda style. I guess so. It's like you. St- I, this is going to be a terrible explanation. Anyone who actually plays League of Legends is probably screaming at their headphones right now. <laughs> but the games I played was like you start at opposite ends of a map from another team, and like you have to strategize to fight the other team, and you can like deploy little magical minions and things. Hmm. It's like a strategy third-person shooter game. I, I, that's magic. It's kind of like you know Middle Earth magic style. Okay. Hmm. I'm sorry cool. for that explanation. 
I don't know. I still don't get how this thing could be a video game, but I don't think it has anything to do with the video game. It's a free video okay, game. That's why. I think. I think it is anyway. Anyways, anyway, cool. Thanks. Well, usually uh, Molly would read a review, but we don't have one this week. So I am going to read my Australian word of the week. Um, now I've got a. It's a little bit of a phrase, a little bit of a word. It's more. Of, it's a word, but it means a phrase. So my Australian word for the week is "avago your mug." What? Hmm. Avago your mug. Have like a have a go mug. at your mug. Like try to punch someone in the face. Avago your mug. So it's a, like- a a v dash a dash g o dash y e r dash m u g. I feel like the spelling really isn't going to help here. I feel like it's all in the sound. I feel like if you saw it spelt out, it would probably click. Oh, okay. Can you say it again? A V dash A dash G O dash Y E R dash M U G. Have a go your mug. By dash I mean hyphen, because yeah, yeah. dash. Have a go your mug. You gotta say it quick for it to be right. Have a go your mug. Hmm. I don't know, I feel uh, like because with mug I'm thinking like it's fighting, like his mug as in face. I would or is say it like have a go your beer. mug is like drink drink a beer. Like drink it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling yeah. that. Like I'm I'm not saying okay, what is it? Um it's literally just a phrase to encourage someone to put in more effort. So like just have a go. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Give, give it yeah. give it a go. Put it yeah. <laughs> so is so, mug like a standalone word? Like you're being a pretty mug, much like, like trying very hard? Well no no, it's more of just like a, a nickname for a person like right right it just, it, yeah, so pretty, like, yeah it doesn't like really mean guy any, or mate yeah like My instead dude. of saying have a go have a go guys like have a go your mug oh. yeah cool well i want to thank tf turning for our new theme song and their old theme song uh and we have links to his socials down in our show notes and I want to quickly say, because I need to get it out of my system now, we have a guest coming on next week. I, after next week, will happily retire from podcasting because it is the one guest that I have wanted the entire time we started podcasting. If you want to know who that is, you can support us on Patreon because someone let it slip in the pre-show. And oh, yeah. That was a really yeah. long pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very long pre-show. Um. And yeah, so I am very excited for next week's guest. I am going to try my best not to fanboy. I'm not hosting, thank God, because I would really struggle with that. And yeah, we're going to the after show. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, you can you can find us everywhere on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah. Bye. Hello, and welcome to the Creating, Living, and Making Projects podcast. <laughs> I knew I was going to stuff it up. Can we just put the title back? <laughs> no. no.